So good evening, my fellow Ugandans. I come to you this evening. Actually, it's night. It's the middle of the night. <laughs> it shows you how some of us are using our time. And I would like to share with you a thought on hmm. Let's just call them the musings of my mind. So I caught this border this evening and we were riding. He was trying to beat the curfew. Um, so we rode out of town, stopped at some point. My colleague went to pick some money. It lasted a little bit longer than a minute. And the young man goes into a tirade. So I, I keep asking this individual, why are you why are you complaining? He has gone to bring the money. He says, oh, you should have told me this and that and that. We apologized profusely, right? Because the person we were with, who was supposed to pay you on arrival, has been delayed at the back. They stopped at the wrong point, so now they have to keep coming forward. You saw this before we set off, right? Yes. Him and I don't have enough money. He has to go and get some from elsewhere to top it up. You've seen this, right? Yes. So why do you persist in quarreling? You see, you know, you know, you see. So out of frustration, I just turned to him and said, okay, fine. You keep raising your voice and see how it solves this problem. And at first it hits him. It's not something he expected. But then he has to say something in return. He says, oh, you don't even have good manners. You don't know how to talk to people. Like, no, I mean, you have chosen to quarrel. I have tried to explain to you the situation. You insist on raising your voice and you're talking about irrelevant things, about this, about the other. So you keep raising your voice and let's see how that solves this problem. So, oh, behave like an adult. I'm like, who's being childish here? How does raising your voice change the fact that the money is being brought? And it will take as much time as it will take for the money to come. I mean, I'm standing beside you. If I was trying to, 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 to run, you would have reason to, to start raising alarm. But here I am standing with less money in my hands than you want as we wait for the rest to come in and so on and so forth. And then I realized it's become a thing. The border border man the taxi man, the waitress, the bartender, the, I don't know, drivers and bosses. The, it's in the papers. It's everywhere. This is what people call microaggression or the passive aggressive tendencies of Ugandans. We have become a society that is constantly attacking each other in very subtle ways, right? The way we dress, the way we talk, the way we occupy space, right? It's just, it's become brash. When I see the Japanese, and I think to myself that Uganda was once known for having one of the 
no, the, not one of the, it had the friendliest, the most beautiful, the most amiable human beings on the planet. And these are documents that were being written by these two so-called tourists, these so-called explorers, the spies who they were sending here. Go and find out what it's like in that place. Oh my goodness me. None, not one. Not from Italy, not from Spain, not from anywhere. Sent back anything but beautiful reports about the women, the culture, the gracefulness of the men, the healthiness on their faces, the happiness in their smiles. Everything they were saying about the societies in this place they call Uganda were beautiful things only. Generous, honest, hardworking, organized. Of course, nowadays the Uganda like to hype all the British loved Buganda. They loved every one of the 18 countries they found here. Yes, there were 18 countries. They counted them as countries because they knew every society was unique and distinct in its history, its culture, its way of life, everything was different languages and all they knew all these things completely well when they were making the mess that they were making when they left the borders the way they left them they knew the borders we are cutting through they knew it and they knew that that thing caused conflict i know they knew it because they came here after being in america after being in India, after being in China, after being in Europe itself, right? The thing about Ugandans specifically and Africans in general is that the story they know is broken. It's disjointed. It's not continuous. It's not expansive enough. Right, they, I say they because I want to exclude myself, having been fortunate enough to get a glimpse, just a glimpse, and this glimpse changed my life forever. But this is the thing we always, this is called historical revisionism, right? And this is how they shock you. They come and they're like, boom, slave trade, slave trade, oh my god, the slave trade, colonialism, colonialism, the struggle for equal rights, modern. And like, wow, we survived all that. <sighs> now what? Already you have been primed. For the rest of your life, you're in resistance and struggle mode. Right? Your human dignity has been removed from you. Like taken. Completely taken. Bye-bye. You're not a human being anymore. You are thing that is struggling to make sense of this thing and so you have to belong to pan-africanism or you have to belong to this other thing or you have to fight for the this and that and the other and then oh i'm a feminist what does it mean to be a feminist it doesn't matter you're just a chauvinist pig get out of my face you male this that and the other and you know hmm. it saddens me very much to see that we have fallen victim to the oldest trick in the book.
right? These people studied our societies to the minutest detail. How we braided our hair. How we dyed our, our toenails. How we made the dye that we put on the toenail. How we made the stick into a brush to dip into the dye to put onto our toenails. That is how detailed they did the study. When they took these documents back home, they used them to devise military plans. You see, now the problem we have, second problem we have, is to assume that all invasions have to be military invasions. Right? But you can occupy a person by simply occupying their mind. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> Literally. They'd be dead. But <laughs> figuratively, like you occupy their time. Like this is the literal sense I mean. Not like you get into their head or anything. But you occupy them with the meaningless inane activities. Right? Like forcing everybody to be in school for God knows how many years, right? Forcing everybody to be in front of a what? A boss new do this drudgery every day, every day come back and fill forms and push this and push that and open this lever and read this stupid shit. And then you get a paycheck. And now you have to get that paycheck for X amount of years before you can retire. I mean, like, why? Why do paychecks have to be so low that even when you work for your entire lifetime, you can't afford to pay for a life, right? Your child's life or whatever. Anyhow, that wasn't the point. The point is, they took our information and they devised the oldest trick in the book, which is just inverse everything. This is the, the foundation of Alistair Crowley, of this, uh, Rockaway's, uh, you know, famous campaign with uh, "Do What Thou Wilt," you know, Alistair Crowley's famous statement. It's basically "Do what you choose," right? But <laughs> people were very panicked about this, and oh my God, look at these these devilish people! They're saying they are bringing hedonism into this world. No, it's not hedonism. It is European propagandism. You see, they can't talk without distorting what they are saying because that phrase do what thou wilt is a part of a much longer much older phrase from egypt which states in life do what thou wilt but do no harm but in all things do no harm right that's the phrase in life do what you will what you choose but in everything you do do no harm in its general sense mental psychological spiritual physical emotional whatever right that was the core of the law of egypt right so when the Europeans looked at these people living the way they were living, the only thing they could conclude is 
what Europeans think. That's their business. Like, God bless their souls. What they chose to do with us is turn us on ourselves. Not even on each other, but on ourselves. So by the time we are fighting for independence, them knowing that they are creating boundaries that are cutting across societies, them knowing that these boundaries cause trouble, like I have said, they knew, they knew, they knew what they were doing because they had done these things in America, they had done these things in China, in India, they had done these things. In Europe, they had done these things. That period of time where they were killing each other like madmen. Right? The history of Europe is just the history of bloodshed. Oh, this great guy came and caused so much mayhem and he became king and we glorified him. Then this other guy came and caused so much mayhem and we glorified him. And this other guy comes and he causes so much mayhem. Oh my God, let's glorify him. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous the way these guys worship blood. It's like bloodbaths after bloodbaths. It's ridiculous. But anyhow, we have inherited this pain which has been meted on us through the wars. Right? We've been beaten, beaten and brutalized into humility. Into humility right? The pride that we had when we walked through this blood, 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 has been beaten out of us and now we are broken battered and bruised and these guys who you see running around in their big ass cars you know eating everybody's money they are the ones who are worst of all like financially materially they are doing very very well no one can grudge them that but they are you know there is just no justification for that level of greed right and you know there is this greed that's just greedy you're taking the biggest of the pie but there's this greed which also has a hint of yeah, what's, what's this word decadence just a, just a smidge smidge decadence because you know you, you're taking money you're taking money that you know very well is intended for the less privileged, you know this. You're literally pulling food out of the orphan's mouth and putting it into your pocket and you're walking away. You don't even need to eat it. You don't even need to feed it to your dog. You're just pulling it out of the orphan's mouth because you can. Like that's another level of, I don't know. Yeah, some words defeat me. Like, the words, they just get finished. Like, what word are you going to use for something like that? Even colors is not close enough. It's just, it's just, it's vulgar. It's inhumane. It's just, it's not normal what is happening to people here. And I know you don't believe in witches, but people are bewitched, right? And I think the problem people have with the word bewitched is that they think for a person to be bewitched, someone has to go and sit in a small grass-touched house and start doing chick, 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 chick. No. You don't need to do all that chick, 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 chick. You, all you, you would go to Hollywood, right? 
and put up a very beautiful stage with glittery things and lights and bulbs and then you get a camera beam the light through the camera lens you know send it up through some funny fungal discs up in the sky and then they bounce it off satellite bichy bichy those things and then the thing comes onto your screen and that thing puts ideas into your mind they just bewitch you into believing garbage pure garbage right because if it's all mind control all that is mind control right and we are suggestible human beings that's that's just how the mind functions right the world is constantly suggesting options at us and we have to decide yes no yes a little longer maybe too soon you know oh my that was fast but that is us that's how we are as human beings and then this individual discovers that about us and they decide why don't we turn that into a weapon Hmm. So now we have become weapons against ourselves. Right? That's what I'm suggesting to you. That's my theory. Now, solutions, because we are solution-oriented generation, right? We need to move beyond the pain, the anger, the anguish, right? Let me assure you about one thing. Those of you who look at Museveni and you feel bad, you feel angry, feel frustrated. If this man is doing all these things out of malice, the joke is on him. Right? Because no matter what he does, no matter how much of the surface of this country he possesses, him and his people, the country will always supersede him. It will supersede them. And if this is done, you know, there are very many motivations, right? I don't know what the motivation for these things are. And I don't even want to assume that they are being done deliberately or even necessarily by Museveni or whoever. But He's the one that everybody is angry at right now, right? And for me, I'm suggesting to you people who are angry, if he's being genuinely malicious towards you, the worst thing you can do is to give him the satisfaction of seeing you give up. That's the worst thing you can do. The best thing you can do is to continue to find ways to get what you need, right? Even with him occupying as much space as he has occupied, there's a lot of room. A lot of room for maneuver. See, the reason why we are not maneuvering effectively is because we are stuck in traffic jams shouting at each other. Right? And we forget that there is a spectrum of responses that we can have. Everything from me going home angry. Right? Getting my sons and daughters, telling them these people are bad and we are going to destroy them. I trained them, one generation, three generations. By the fourth generation, they have an army and I send the army on your what? On your offsprings and destroy them, kill them out of, of existence. That's one way of choosing to respond. The other way is to run into the boot, pull out my spanner, Swing it over your head <coughs> and pummel you into a pummel your head into a bloody pulp. <coughs> That's an alternative. 
right? The other alternative is to pull out my fists and punch you in the face. The other alternative is to raise my voice. The other alternative is to make my case to you in a calm but articulate manner. The other alternative is to look at you, maybe gesture, maybe just keep quiet. The other alternative is not to be present for that in confrontation from the get-go. <clears throat> Even when it happens, just let it go immediately. It's like, hmm, what happened? Oh, I didn't notice. Mm. You hit my bumper in the traffic jam. Okay. I didn't notice that. We'll, we'll do that. Bye. Or you wanted to contribute. You have something you're suggesting? Okay, then. Let's move on. Everybody in living his life. Right. <clears throat> All these are possible things. Or even not be in the traffic jam in the first place. Because you're smart enough to avoid those silly things. All these are possible reactions. That's the spectrum of responses that we can have. And I'm sure the creative ones can come up with even more creative than, so than those. So why is it that we're always choosing the one that guarantees conflict? And believe you me, on a political scale, we have done all these things. There is no option here that we have not considered. We have exercised every single one of those options. And it always brings us back to the same point. Us sitting and asking ourselves, how do we go beyond this? I suppose it's a generational thing. Every generation wants to change something a little bit and move beyond this and move beyond that. But even then, there is a bare minimum of what it must feel like to live in a society. The bare minimum. And I think that is what people are fighting for when they say enough is enough, right? They just want to feel like they are also part of this great bonanza that is going on right now, right? Uganda is being bought up left, right, and center. Maybe I should say has been bought up left, right, and center. There's a bonanza here, there, everywhere. People are buying this, buying that, and the others are looking on like, hey, what's happening here? And it would be okay, I think, for most people, only that they have to endure the burden of hearing so-and-so is buying that building because they stole the money that we had collected together to build the hospital. That's just heartbreaking. Right, And those are the other subtle things that are being used to beat your pride out of you. And you give them satisfaction <clears throat> when you become an animal. You see? It's a man I used to know who used to like, who used to call Museveni. Uh, oh, I forget the name. It was a funny nickname. It's something to do with... Uh, <clears throat> roads and you know uh rioting and stuff <clears throat> he always used to argue that Museveni likes it when you're hungry when you're hostile because now you're properly in his arena that's the type of thing he likes what he can't stand is when you are quiet but efficiently organizing because then he doesn't know how to do anything 
other than kill you. <clears throat> and that becomes complicated. Not the killing. The killing part is easy. But maintaining the facade of a, a democratic government while people keep dropping like ripe fruit from trees. Plup, 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 plup. You know? <clears throat> But when you come out and start making noise, ah, there is very, very happy. It's like, yeah, let's confront them. This is nice now. Move them this way. Move them that way. Now I come and I make an apology. Oh, people of Uganda, it is really sad indeed. The, the hooligans, the hooligans. And people sit down and listen to the propaganda and they saw it. And the reason why it is possible to do that is because you have been beaten senseless. Whether you have experienced the pain physically or you haven't, whether you're one of those people who are benefiting from the government or you are not, whether you're one of the cynical whom, who basically refers to as the most useless human beings in Uganda, or you're one of those who convince yourself that you're very, very, very activist and, you know, radical, blah, 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 changing the world and doing your part as an NRM, what, youth winger. It doesn't matter. Thing remains the same. You're a victim. You see? Everybody from Museveni to Muhozi to Muhozi's son all the way down, all those are victims. Like, we're all victims of our actions, of course. But even more than being victims of our actions, we are victims of our history. And we have to heal this victimhood. And the first place to begin is to understand that someone walked through the village and poisoned the wall deliberately. <clears throat> it's not by accident that the well is poisoned and it is not an act of God that somehow the well has turned poisonous. Someone walked by. And made the life-giving water into the source of death. And sometimes it doesn't even need, we don't even need to waste time trying to figure out who it is that did it. When we figure out that the well is poisoned, the only decision we have to take is, are we keeping this well or are we getting a new one? And if we are keeping it, how are we going to deal with the poison? Do we have the, the, the competence? <clears throat> See? That is when education now becomes important. What knowledge and skills do we have in our community? So I see people getting their children, flying them out to India to learn how to I don't know, do business. You can't teach your child business administration in India. And then you expect him to come and practice it in Uganda. He's learning how it is practiced in India. Even if even if people are counting dollars, I mean, everywhere you go, every business school you go to, they'll be teaching you in US dollars, more or less. Some proud societies may choose to use their currencies. Well, you learn how to convert the currencies, whatever. 21st century, you have those softwares that do all that funny stuff, plus Excel can pretty much do anything if you want it, if you know what to do with it. <clears throat> but ultimately, where you are learning business administration, is where you're going to be able to practice it. 
And the same applies to everything, including medicine, by the way. Right? If you learn medicine in Uganda, then it's probably only Uganda where you should not that you can't work anywhere else and medicine is medicine. But the point is there are things about doing medicine in Uganda that are unique to doing medicine in Uganda, practicing as a medical personnel, you know, service provider, that are unique to Uganda. Right? So when you learn in Uganda, you gain the competences for Uganda. Because if you move to another society, you learn from that society. But that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that the community has to train for the skills that it needs or it will need. The community. You see, we have to train for the skills that we need. See, one of the biggest skills we need are competent leaders. We are not training for that. <clears throat> you see, debaters, Researchers, hmm? investigators. <clears throat> For me, these would be key skills. You know, thinkers, planners. You know, people who know how to stay focused. You know, project managers, and you know. these are the things that we should be looking at as key skills. People don't go, oh, we have to invest in the sciences. Invest in the sciences for what? This is the 21st century. You don't invest in the sciences. You just put on bloody internet connections and everybody shall learn how to do sciences. What you need to invest in are the liberal arts, as they are called, which is not pretty. It's not a, it's not a nice thing. <clears throat> but you want to skill. That's what you want to do. Science is the easiest thing to learn. When people say they are self-taught, all of them, it's either a language or a science, which is also a science. Or science, language is a form of mathematics. These things are easy to teach yourself. You can't teach yourself martial arts. There's no martial art you can teach yourself. You can't teach yourself how to cook. Right? I mean, you can teach yourself how to make a meal. That's true. And a meal can be good. But then cooking, you know, these subtle skills, you have to learn from people. Someone else can say, oh, this is how you do this. This is how you cut the tomato. This is when you cut it this way, you save on this. When you do this, you do this. You organize your food this way. When you fry it from this direction, it's cheaper than you know, those things. These are things you learn from other people. These are the things that we should be emphasizing on teaching. Right? So, the other thing that we have to learn how to do is to learn to be community-centered. This is what I'm talking about in this one. Right? That's the third thing. Learn to be community centers. Number one, recognize that someone poisoned the well. <coughs> number two is the God, I forgot the number two. And number three is um, hmm. I hope I've not mixed them up. The poisoning of the well, the I forgot the last two. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny no but yeah all right. I'll remember them as I go forward so this is the challenge that oh, well these are the some of the solutions that we can use to solve the challenge that we're experiencing 
as Uganda, right? We have to understand that we are all victims and we have to heal from the victimhood the way we have entrapped ourselves 